Welcome to another edition of First Word from First Church. This is Pastor Dave Buchanan at the First Church in Sutton. Please enjoy the message and may God bless you richly through it. Our scripture lesson today is from Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, and then 18 through 26. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went out throughout the district. Here ends our holy word. Thank you, Barbara, for the, the reading. So a little bit of a, a thread here. We see throughout the Gospels a, a number of stories of Jesus healing, but, but also consorting with the wrong sort of people. Healing, perhaps, on the wrong day or, or someone that the Pharisees didn't think should be first in line if this really is a special rabbi. Why is he dealing with these people? And it, it starts right off as he calls one of his disciples. Matthew, who we know in other uh, Gospels is also known as Levi, a lot of different names, like my dad went by Pat for a while because he and I are David Patrick. So same kind of naming there that Matthew was also known as Levi. And he's a publican, which doesn't mean a pub keeper, but in the language of the day meant a tax collector. Now, in the history of Palestine at this time, the Roman tax system may or may not have been repealed. It was kind of close in historical timing. But tax collectors still collected now for a local corrupt monarch, King Herod, the king of Judea. So to say that tax collectors were uh, not popular goes way beyond today's sense of that word, believe me. A person who collected taxes in the earlier days was working for the Romans 
He was a collaborator. If you're a history student of World War II, he was part of the Vichy government of France that collaborated with the conquering nation. Turncoats. Unpopular was saying it nicely. They generally were summoned to the synagogue one last time to be told that their membership had been revoked and don't show up on a Sabbath. You're not welcome here anymore. Family would cast them out. Because the system was such that you were supposed to get so much for the Romans, and then whatever else you could collect, you could line your own pockets with it. So it was ripe for extortion, arm twisting, cheating in the sense that a lot of, especially in Palestine, a lot of people didn't read. These are farmers, shepherds, and fishermen. They couldn't tell if they were being cheated or not. They couldn't do the writing or the math. Not that they were stupid, they just weren't trained in it. So when Jesus called a tax collector, I don't know what we'd say equivalent today, but let's just say very unpopular, outcast of a person. And he called him, what did he get out of it? We know what Matthew got out of it. He was saved. How many other disciples were ready-made, able to, to cipher and write? And from Matthew's gospel that he wrote down and left us, we have what's often called the preacher's gospel because it's got so many of the parables and the stories in it where, where Mark is right to the bones, Matthew added storytelling. That's wonderful. So that came out of calling someone that the Pharisees, are, if they had glasses, they'd have been looking over them, asking the disciples, they don't ask you, what's he doing hanging out with people like that one? And of course we know from another gospel, I had a, preaching professor who called it gospel soup when you're picking and choosing from different gospels, that he went to the home of Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector. And for many years, by the way, they, they thought Luke had made up the name chief tax collector until an archaeologist found a sign on an office that had that very word that they hadn't found anywhere else. I won't try to pronounce it because it's a big one, but chief tax collector. So here we have a tax collector, a turncoat, working for at least a crooked local king, if not for the Romans. One who, whether he was honest or not, the reputation was you made your fortune as a tax collector by what you could squeeze extra, what you could gouge. The bribes of the wealthy who didn't want to pay their fair share of taxes and got away for, with, with less by giving a portion of it straight to the tax collector with the other hand. This is what Jesus calls to be a disciple, up close and personal to rescue a life, perhaps. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, well, probably Matthew's house, he's actually going to eat with a tax collector. And part of the righteousness of the day among these Pharisees, you don't eat with the wrong people. It defiles you, it makes you unclean. You can't go to the synagogue for a certain period of time and after certain cleansings and after paying a certain sacrifice, then you could go back to synagogue after you'd bothered to sit down at table or into the home of an outcast. Well, Jesus did it anyway. And because he's in a place where outcasts might not be thrown out, it says here many tax collectors and sinners came and even Matthew lets the uh, imagination run wild on what these sinners are. 
Could be just somebody hadn't got time for synagogue or hasn't got time for the, the ritual prayers. It could be colorful sinners. We don't know. And they recline. That's, the, that's how friends ate together. They, they actually ate on one elbow. I did heartburn that way, but they managed it. And when the Pharisees, ever righteous. Now, I'll give them a little credit. The Pharisees were trying for righteousness as they understood it. But they were the militant gatekeepers of righteousness for everyone around them too. When any grace and mercy, it was all righteousness. And pure righteousness and pure justice are hard to bear. We really need mercy and grace. And they came back, Jesus, this is what they're saying about you. You know, you need to eat with a better class of people. Those who are well, and I don't think he means the Pharisees, those who are well have no need of a physician. I need to go to those who are sick. I need to go to those who need the salvation. I need to know, go to those who have been outcast and know that they need healing and saving. He says it's in the Old Testament, he quotes one of the prophets, that God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I don't desire that you fulfill these puny rules of righteousness so much. Okay, you're trying, but mercy for others. Mercy that leads to forgiveness, that leads to taking care of this. I came to call not the righteous, but sinners. Um, I want to say this gently, but here we are. We're called. And what did Jesus say? To call not the righteous, but the sinners. I've been known to do this in my life. I'm told it's a guy thing. I've seen others do it, but I think it, we tend to. Do we resist going to a doctor, guys? If we think we can muscle through a, a sprain or a pain that we can't quite tell what it is. And we, oh, it's not that bad, I don't, I don't need to go. Well, eventually, of course, that's what we have wives for or, or mothers or others in our lives to chase us where we belong sometimes. If you don't know you need a healer, whether it's as a sinner or as a hurting person or a sick person, you don't go to the healer. Know that we are called because something in us answered Christ's call, I've got more for you. I've got something you don't have to earn. You don't have to obey laws of exactly how long you can walk on the Sabbath or how far you can walk to water your donkey on the Sabbath or whether the knot in your sandal can be untied with one hand, whether you wash your hands and let the water run from the elbows to the fingers or the fingers to the elbows. All these things would make one righteous or not. Jesus, that's not what counts. I'm calling to the people that you've thrown out and I bring them in to heal them. And the story continues more in that vein than we realize. I gotta play gospel soup with you a little bit. A ruler came in and knelt before him in another gospel he sent a messenger. Well, ruler, what do you mean ruler? The president of a synagogue, we'd call it today. A ruler of the synagogue. Now, bearing a whole lot more responsibility than we put on poor Scott, because the president of the synagogue was responsible for right worship, securing lay preaching or a visiting rabbi because they didn't have a pastor in residence, a rabbi in residence necessarily. That the scrolls were properly maintained, that you had a good set of them for the synagogue, and all that goes into running 
not just the building and the properties, but the teaching, the preaching, the, the, the righteousness of the synagogue. And he's got a reputation in the community. He's not supposed to be calling on this hillbilly rabbi from up the road a bit there in Galilee who talks funny and who's getting in trouble with the Pharisees. That trouble can rub off. That's why Jesus was in trouble for eating with sinners. The trouble rubs off in the eyes of the Pharisees. Well, he takes a chance. He says, my daughter is dead. We even have his name from the other gospels. He's Jairus. Jairus says, my daughter is dead, but you can heal her. We have also, she's about 12 years old. So Jesus followed him, and he gets stopped on the way. In fact, some people in another gospel accuse him, if you hadn't stopped on the way for that, that woman that bumped into you in a crowd, you probably would have made it on time. Well, he knows better. So to Jairus, Jesus should have been the outcast. To Jesus and any righteous Jew of the day, including the whole crowd around him, that woman that touched the hem of his robe shouldn't have been in the crowd. Because a woman with a, a discharge, a woman bleeding, except for proper reasons, you know, was one of the most unclean people in town. Couldn't go to synagogue. Couldn't touch or use any kind of bedding or anything else that other people would use. If a member of the family touched her, that person was unclean for 24 hours and had to go through a certain ritual cleansing. So she shouldn't have been in a crowd of people. She'd been at this for 12 years and in another gospel it says, suffered much and suffered much from all kinds of physicians. Well, there were a lot of different alleged treatments that ranged from the superstitious to the silly that she'd have gone through. And what does she try now? Isn't it kind of superstitious, kind of like touching the relics of a saint to say, if I can just touch the hem of his robe. I'm not gonna ask him, I'm not gonna talk to him. He shouldn't speak to me in a crowd. But if I can touch his robe, and Jesus being Jesus said, who touched me? Jesus, you're in a crowd. You've been elbowed 32 times in the last minute. What do you mean who touched you? Now, somebody touched me special. Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. Misplaced though the faith might be in his robe, we don't know what. Remember, well means saved in Greek. Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you. He calls her family, as the Lord can. And better than just saying it, she was made well. So he gets to the ruler's house. Now, he doesn't belong here. Told you again, Jairus is taking a chance having the renegade rabbi come to his house, in his house, to tend to his family. And they've got the flute players in the crowd. Flute players. The wailing of a flute was considered essential to mourning and still is in some of the cultures in that part of the world. It got so bad that in Rome, they had to pass a law limiting you to 10 flute players at a funeral because the racket in the neighborhood was too much. And the mourners, the crowd, are professional wailing women. They still have them in that part of the world. As a matter of pride, how long and how loud they can wail. Sometimes it's that ululating sound with the tongue. I won't do it with a microphone on. 
One, I'd be in the wrong octave. Two, it'd be painful for me um, and you. But the professional wailers, the professional mourners, and if you had some means, it was considered proper to have all the more flautists and professional wailing women out there to mourn and let everybody know that you'd felt lost in the house. You can only imagine a president of the synagogue at some stature in town lost a daughter. There was some noise going on. Jesus said, put the flutes away. Stop screaming. She's just asleep. And he used one of the Greek words that doesn't mean sleeping in death. It means snoozing. She's resting. And as one might, they laughed at him. He went inside, took her by the hand, and again, another, another gospel writer said, he said, Talitha kum, little girl, get up. And she got up. Of course, the news spread throughout the district. Who is Jesus going to help? Tax collectors? Some kind of colorful crowd of sinners. Somebody who otherwise would have had no use for him, Jairus, although really the daughter had the need. A woman who was outcast to the whole community, couldn't help it, but those were the laws of purity of the day. And how does he leave them? We know from many stories of Jesus that, yeah, he, he gave comfort to people for whom the righteous leaders of the day had no comfort. They had law and righteousness. They had justice. Jesus had mercy and grace and forgiveness to give. And he does have that for each and every one. As a, as a chaplain in different settings, I've sat and listened to an 18-year-old girl, a 40-something-year-old man, and others say, God has no use for me. With what I've done, the 18-year-old, her, her own grandmother had said, God has no use for someone like you because of what you've done. Hear the real stories and know that Remember, we are each called because we've got something that can be made better. We've got something from which we can each be saved. And we can invite others to accept a merciful and gracious Lord who has that for them as well. We can share words of comfort because the stories are here and some of them even with names like Jairus, they're kept forever in God's word. To remember, too, what were Jesus' usual parting words when he spoke with the woman who was to be stoned or the Samaritan woman at the well. Remember his, one of his favorite parting shots? Go in peace and sin no more. My dad translated that to me many times, just straighten up and fly, fly right, cub bear. To which I usually responded, yes, sir, because when he used that phrase, I knew it was time to straighten up and fly right, but Jesus calls us to heal us, to save us, to lift us up. He is God drawing us to God. And then he says in, in a gentle, gentle voice, peace, go in peace. And well, I'll say, seek to sin no more. I'll par I shouldn't paraphrase Jesus, but I will. Seek to sin no more because in love, mercy, and grace, 
Christ calls us, heals us, forgives us, and sends us out to tell the story and call others to him. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you for having joined us for First Word from First Church. We pray that God has blessed you in some way, in his way, through the message that we have just shared with you. Please join us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen and amen.